Dawson. Drop that beat to start the episode. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Well, well, well. When it comes to dating, what do you think is the biggest pressure on a person? Is it to find someone? Is it to expedite things? Does it have to do with fitting in the schedule? What would you say is the most pressing thing in a relationship? Or trying to establish one. It's actually time itself. We don't look at it this way, but when you think about it, when you're first trying to meet someone, what do you do? You concern yourself with the time that you're spending or wasting with the person. As if your time is more valuable than anyone else's, as if you can freeze it, put it away in the freezer, and throw it out later in order to use it at your discretion. Of course, that's not the case. What it comes down to is that a lot of you think of time as something that's more precious than the other person's. And of course, this may have its merits and its drawbacks. Let's look at some examples. You meet someone. You're talking to them and you're realizing that you're already knowledgeable about what they're talking about and you overtalk them. You kind of shut them down because you want to get to the point, you don't want to waste your time, you have other things to do, and therefore you think that it's okay to do so. Reason being, you know this, and it's a very centric view that you have of your knowledge compared to what that person is trying to convey to you or trying to communicate. This, of course, leads to miscommunication a lot of times. And this can cause a lot of problems later on in a relationship. Partner feels as though you're not listening to me, so why even bother communicating with you? This is how this is predicated a lot of times. Now, another thing that comes about. Some of you feel as though you're wasting time from going from zero in the beginning of the relationship to intimacy. And you look at it from the standpoint, I'm giving myself about three to four weeks to sleep with this person or to be intimate with this person. If it doesn't happen in that period of time, I'm not interested in a relationship. So therefore, you apply pressure to your partner for that event to happen doesn't necessarily mean that it will, but you're in the hopes of it. Meanwhile, what you're doing is you're constantly looking for other people that will be more into that time frame. 
So what it comes down to, folks, is that you're dealing with people that have a focus on something other than you. Remember what I've always told you about priorities. The excuse is, I don't want to waste my time. The priority is my time. So these people will rush into situations. Some will bring their crises with them. For instance, they may say, you know, I'm about ready to be evicted out of my apartment and I need a place to stay. And so what they will do is take that crisis, put it on your shoulders as someone they've just met, and start out by making you feel guilty as if you have to do something on their behalf to prove yourself to them. This is used every once in a while with some people who date. So, in essence, it comes down to I'm dealing with a real-life crisis in real time, and if you can't help me with it, I don't need you in my life. It's pretty much what they're saying, indirectly. So you go on and you try to make all the amends you possibly can for this person. You try to help them out. You try to be as constructive as possible with ideas and creative. But what they're actually looking for is somewhere to bring their problems to. Now, depending on your personality, some of you are at a point where you're this humble humanitarian and you're willing to let the person stay with you two weeks, three weeks, and not realize that you don't really know the person. You don't know the situation associated with them. You don't know anything about their behavior or their character. But this is an indicator right off the bat. This lets you know that this person is, one, not in control of their lives very well. Number two, they will improvise whatever it takes for them to get through the next crisis. So it's more or less, they'll go through this crisis and worry about the next one later. These people don't plan very well. Now, a lot of times we may think right on the surface, oh, you know, I'd never go for that. It all depends on how this person has perfected their art. More than likely, this is not the first time they've done this. So you have to remember, you're an amateur at this. They're a professional. So they know the angle to hit you with. And you have to be vigilant. Now, even if you reject them and say no, they'll start making you feel guilty. Women use this more so than men. Men will use it on occasion, but you usually see women doing this. Guys, of course, won't have a problem. They'll feel honored to have a woman that they have been trying to court actually fall into their laps like that but they don't know exactly what they're getting into. The only thing they do know is that they have the opportunity to be with someone who could really change their lives in the way as they see it. Intimacy, love, companionship. And so they're willing to be that man, so to speak, in order to fill that role. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. People who do this, especially ladies who do this, they go for men who 
have a good solid career, a job, but they may be insecure when it comes down to the masculinity. They may be insecure when it comes down to not knowing how to really deal with women. So these women take advantage of this. Not to vilify women in any way, but what this does, it shows you the scope of what they will do in order to get what they want accomplished. Now, what are some of the characteristics with these individuals? They're poor decision makers, first of all. They have grown accustomed to manipulating people to do what they want them to do indirectly. They don't in any way take on any sort of responsibility, accountability. It will always be someone else's fault. There will always be a crisis of circumstance where thinking is the last option, doing is the first option. Because as long as they can get into a place where it's more stable, then they can look at asserting control, they can go and express all their needs, and then they could actually come out and unload the laundry list of things that are associated with them. Now, this tactic is used when a person has a lot of baggage and a lot of things that they really would rather not reveal to have this individual be a bystander and not participate in the process of helping them. So what they would do in turn is say, let me go on and do this in a way where I could just dump this in this person's lap and they will have to contend with the problem as I do. And this way, it makes them a part of the experience and it also pulls them into the crisis where this person will do something on their behalf. They'll come in and save the day. They'll put on the cape and say, don't worry, dear, I will save you. Now, what is the marketing tool for a person who does this? They're going to be very attractive, may even be very salacious and sensual, very provocative, and seeming to be very easy to have sex with. Now, the reason for this is this is what they have worked on for years. So when they meet a person, this is what they will use. And this cycle repeats itself over and over with these individuals. They don't feel as though there's any need for improvement. They just have to go out and find more people that are willing to be their benefactor. Sadly, a lot of these women will wind up doing this, starting out in their teens, going into their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and even 60s in some cases. Because one thing that they don't want to do is to learn a lesson. And the reason why they don't want to do that is because they don't like to listen. They're usually berated by family members, talked about in the sense of always being on their ass, always being broke, always in need, always needing a man to help them. But their agenda is totally different. 
because see, this is a lifestyle for them. This is not something that's an inconvenience. They live their lives by crisis. That's the way they go. Crisis is the norm for them. And by meeting a new person and putting them in that vigilant state immediately, based on the reward that that person will get, which is her, they're willing to do so. Now, a lot of people would think, oh my God, I can never do this, I can never fall for this. But many men do. And the reason why they do this is because this individual goes for people with certain characteristics. They're looking for someone who's successful. They're looking for someone who would probably be obedient if they could be manipulated in the right direction. They're also looking for someone with low self-esteem. This is the key. With any predator, low self-esteem is at the top of the list of what they look for. And that's what these women are who do this. Because their agenda is for someone else to take care of them. Someone else to deal with their problems. And they're going to bring these problems to a man's doorstep deliberately. And she may even go as far as to challenge his manhood and his masculinity by saying, if you were any kind of man, you would not let a woman go through this. And then, of course, they will align themselves very quickly by saying, you're a woman, go through this. But she's told this to many other guys in the past. And, of course, the guy goes for it. He really loves this. He's got the attention. He's got a beautiful woman on his arm and a plethora of problems to deal with. But he thinks it's worth it because he struck gold. He's never dated a woman that's attractive. He never had a woman that wanted to be with him like this. And so he's in awe. And these individuals know what they're doing. Now, the thing is, after they get the relationship started with the guy, they're going to start asserting some sort of authority. Now, it's going to be subtle at first, and then it's going to start becoming a little bit more and more pronounced. Because they have to make sure that that individual is comfortable with them encroaching on their space and then making suggestions. And those suggestions will eventually turn into demands. It will take a little time for that. Now, they're going to do just enough in order to acquire a bit of equity in the relationship. So in that way, he can't throw that he's done all these things for her in her face. So she's going to have that bit of equity because that's going to be something that she'll be able to throw back at him at any time at will. She's positioning herself that way. It's not that these people are evil. It's not that they're bad, but they have evil and bad ways. So, with this, women usually go further when it comes down to this than men do. See, if a man tries something like this, a woman watches this very closely because she has more options than he does. So, therefore, she could pick and choose the best deal for her, more so than a man 
who has a woman coming on to him who is very attractive. This is how a lot of you single guys wind up with single moms who have a treasure trove of issues and you assume them and you're thinking that you're going to be able to straighten things out. Now, the interesting thing, a high percentage of these women do not want things straightened out. They don't want things fixed. They like things being dysfunctional. They like things being in a cluster. Because with this, it's a part of them. So they wouldn't know how to really act in a structured situation. And here's another thing that a lot of men don't know. Many of these women expect for the relationship to end. And so they start laying the the framework for a future relationship with someone else. So just as the guy is starting to figure things out that he's been had or been used, she's already have started on her next endeavor. And her next endeavor may already be established. And then she could go and kick up her heels and say, yeah, I think I need to move on. I don't think that we are compatible, etc., etc. Because she's had a stop on her journey. But see, the problem for her is there is no real goal for her. She's just existing. And she's made it a lifestyle to exist in that environment. And what was this all based on? It was based on using time as a pressure point in the beginning of the relationship to start the ball rolling in her direction for her benefit. Disclosing a crisis up front and then telling them I have a timeline and then shifting the burden onto that individual while also shifting the illusion of love and compassion with it is the motivating trigger for that individual to then go into action to try to do something to save her. That's the way that works. Now let's continue about this time pressure situation in a relationship. Let's say you've met someone and you've chatted on the phone, you've already texted each other, you met each other online, things seem to be going pretty well. And the person wants to meet with you the next day. We'll say that day is a Thursday that you meet, they want to meet with you that Friday afternoon after work. You guys will go to happy hour, have a few drinks, and see where things go from there. You go to happy hour, you're having a wonderful time, and at this point, you notice that that individual is asking immediately about, so what kind of relationship are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for a long-term, etc., etc., And it could have been discussed even during the phone calls prior or during a texting interaction. And what they're doing is they're underscoring what you're looking for. 
and they're holding you to that. Now, at this point, that person may say something to the effect of, well, you know, everything's going well tonight. What are we going to do next? Well, you know, I thought we'd probably go and have dinner or something of that sort, so maybe they go and have dinner in the same location that they have the uh, cocktails. And then afterwards, this individual may say, well, what are we going to do after that? Well, I better take you home. And the lady may say something to the effect of, well, why don't we go to your place and listen to some music? Now, at this point, she's been very provocative. Now, a lot of guys would think, hey, this is cool. She's into me. What she's doing now is really trying to fill you out. What she's trying to do is to consolidate her time to see whether or not you're worth it. This is the reason why she pushed you forward by saying, hey, first of all, let's meet as soon as possible. Secondly, let's kind of elongate this date, but rush through this elongation of the date. What do I mean by that? She wants to stretch the date out that night as opposed to just going having drinks and then going your merry ways. She may want to have drinks have dinner, and then go to your place. Now, here's the thing. What she's doing is she's making a quick assessment of you and of everything you've told her. So, after dinner, you go to her place. She's really checking your place out, and in her head, she's figuring out what she would change in the place, what she would modify, what she would enhance, what she would throw away. All these things are going through her head. And now the reason why this is happening is not so much because she's looking for a place to stay or anything like that. She's looking to see whether or not everything you've told her matches up with what she's seeing and what she's experiencing. And she wants to make a full evaluation of you at that point. Now here's the thing. After this particular date, she more than likely is going to make an assessment of whether or not she wants to be with you. You have some women who operate this way, and what that means primarily is instead of stretching things out over a series of dates over a period of weeks, she's consolidating things into one experience. So now what she's doing is she's at your place, she's listening to your music, she's becoming very relaxed with you, she's taking off her shoes, curling up on the sofa with you, giving you kisses, giving you hugs, And she may go all the way until it comes down to sex. But what she is going to definitely do at that point, if she likes you, is she's going to sell the sizzle. In other words, she's going to let you know that she likes you, but she's not going to have sex with you. And she's doing this deliberately. Not because she doesn't want to have sex with you, because more than likely she does. But here's the thing. She's testing your discipline at that point. Because it's like, yeah, I'm at your place, we're having fun, and she will play around with you. She'll fill on you and those kind of things and grope you, kiss you and everything else. But she's not going to have sex with you. Now, at this point, a lot of guys will say, well, she's a teaser. She's just messing around. True enough, that is part of the process. But what she's doing now that she's got an eyeful of where you live, how you treat her, and also whether or not things measured up from what you've told her, She's looking at it from the standpoint, hey, okay, I better go home. I gotta go to work the next day or I gotta go and uh, go to my place. Now, 
at this point, she's had a full dating experience with you. So as she sees it, when she gets back, she's thinking, all right, I can make an assessment on him as a yay or nay. And she has her next guide lined up. If it's a negative, she's going to let you know that. First of all, you guys may not be so intimate and kissing and everything. She may be a little bit aloof or standoffish a bit. But once she sees this and she's disappointed, she's going to behave and react accordingly. And she'll be able to make her assessment real quick. And so what would happen is when she got back home, it would be a situation where she'll say, well, you know, um, I think we'll be good friends. Now with this, she's made a determination within that one evening about you. You have some women that do this. And what they want to do is go on to the next guy. And they're going to put him through the same process. Because what they don't want to do is to drag this thing out over weeks. They want to find out concisely, hey, are we compatible? Do I like you? Do I like what's going on with you? And another reason why women do this especially is to assess whether or not another woman is present. This is one of the main reasons why women will come to your home. Now, usually, if she likes you, she's going to come to your residence. If she doesn't, she's not going to bother. She's going to cut the date short. So the date would usually be cut short at the cocktails. She realizes, I don't want to pursue this. But if she's interested in you, this is what she'll do. She'll go to that third in order to make that assessment. Now, will all women do this? Hell no. But there's a percentage of women out there who will do this specifically because they want to make a quick assessment of you. Because then, you got to remember, time is the factor for them. And some look at the fact that, hey, I got all this attention, I got all these guys in my inbox, and there are about six guys out of 20 that I want to talk to to see what they're about. And so I'm going to try to schedule dates with them. But what she wants to do is to make a quick assessment so she can make a quick choice. And the reason for that is she doesn't like the process of going through kissing frogs, going through a four or five week experience, and then find out this guy is not what he said he was. Instead, she's shortening that horizon so that she can make a better assessment and a quicker assessment so that in that way, when she does this, She's like, okay, well, this is done. I've already seen what he's about. Not interested. This guy right here, we'll go and try on him next and see. Now, here's another thing about this. As she's going through this process, she's not necessarily looking at meeting new guys because she's already got a number of guys that she still has to go through. She doesn't want to be overwhelmed. So she may be cordial with the guys that correspond with her on the dating site, that are new guys that are trying to, you know, show interest in her, and she may put them on the back burner. A lot of those guys will be contacted later if she doesn't find what she's looking for in the other gentleman that she's going out with. Now, here's the thing. The level of comfort that she receives from you as a man will dictate whether or not she's going to extend the date or elongate the date. The shorter the date is on the first go-round the less interest she has in you. Because 
at this point, she feels as though, eh, you know what? He's not the one. Now, as you know, I always tell you, a coffee shop date, ice cream parlor date would be the best first date. 90 minutes max, right? Now, here's the thing with that 90 minutes that I always tell you about. If the relationship, I mean the date, goes longer than 90 minutes, if she wants to extend it, allow her to do so. But you as the man, let her do that. You don't try to extend it because she may perceive you as being desperate. Let her do that. Because see, her perception by going that long or going longer is that she's comfortable and that's okay. The only time you want to end it at 90 minutes is when you guys are first starting out and you have kind of doubts or reservations about each other. And that way nobody's saying anything stupid. It's more or less like a meeting at that point. But if it's a situation where you guys are really flowing and she's really into you and she's laughing and those kind of things and she really wants to be with you, and fellas, if she tells you that I don't want the date to end, that means then that she's really interested. If she follows you, say, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow you home tonight. I just want to see where you live. Or I just want to, you know, go to your place and watch Netflix or listen to movie, listen to music. At this point, yes, you have definitely turned the corner with her. Now, here's the other thing. Depending on her interest in you will dictate when she contacts you again. Usually she's going to contact you that next day. She doesn't want to seem desperate, so she's not going to do it very quickly. So it might be something like maybe in the late afternoon or the evening. And at this point, what she's doing is she's settling in with you. And the reason why women usually call men later in the evening is to make sure that he's not out in the streets partying or with another woman. She wants to catch him at an awkward time where most guys would be out. And once she realizes that, hey, okay, you're at home. I have access to you. That's a big plus for her. Because at this point, she's saying, he may be worth the investment. He may be worth the investment of time, energy, compassion. And so therefore, at that point, you're someone that she can see herself with. It's kind of giving her another layer of comfort. Now, don't be surprised at this point if she chooses to say, hey, you know what? Let's make plans for the next day. Or what are you doing tomorrow night? At this point, what she wants to do is she wants to go and confirm the sentiments that she's feeling. So what she's going to do is try to make a date with you as quickly as possible. In other words, at this point, she likes you and she wants to take you off the market. So she's going to try to do this as soon as possible. Not desperate, but what she's doing is she's affirming her interest in you. And she's conveying it to you. So, we'll say, you went on a date that Sunday night. Monday night, she just called you to see how you were doing, how everything was. Tuesday, she has a little extra time. 
and she may want to do something like go and have pizza with you or something like that. Now, at this point, what she's trying to do, she's going for the bond, the emotional bond. She's comfortable with you, things are really gelling, you two are getting along. She's laughing and joking with you. She's content with what she's experiencing with you. So at this point, she sees it as the potential of a commitment because she already envisions herself with you. She's had the emotional affair with you. The only thing she hasn't done yet was express that emotions intimately. And that's going to happen later on. Now, with these women in particular, they don't hold back on sex or nothing like that. They don't hold that as a prize. So it's not uncommon for them to have sex with a guy on the third or fourth date because at this point, they have pushed forward all of their concerns in order to make a better assessment. Now, here's the thing. The more interest she shows in you as a man, the more you're going to be interested in her as far as taking time out, altering your schedule. And even though it may be a weeknight that she's going out with you, what she's looking for at that point is how important is she to you in regards to your schedule? Because she knows you got to go to work the next day. She has to go to work the next day. But what she's trying to do is to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be one of these weekend girls. I want to say how much of a priority I will be with him. So let me see about going out to have pizza at around 6 o'clock at night and you're in the whole rendezvous at about 8 or 9 because you both have to go to work the next day. But what this does at this point, the woman starts to think, oh, he does have time for me in his busy schedule. That's a good thing. He's prioritizing me. And fellas, that works to your advantage. Because at this point, what she's thinking is, huh, I'm not going to be like the rest of these other women who can only contact him on the weekend when he's ready to go out and party or every other weekend. And this is what women who are looking for long-term relationships, this is what they do in regard to not wasting their time. This is the reason why they've taken everything and compressed the time. They've condensed it into a shorter period so that they're not wasting long stretches of time pursuing a relationship. We'll talk more in just a moment. In the last segment, we talked about how women can expedite the dating process. Now, if you notice, in that last segment, she made a decision as to whether or not she was going to go through with this It was all her. Under more traditional dating practices, it's usually about six weeks before she can make an assessment or decision on a guy. Even though she may go and choose this one guy. Unlike the other example with the lady in segment two, she may have several choices. And what she's doing now is expediting those choices by going through and saying, hey, Let's see if this is going to go anywhere. So she'll go have cocktails with the guy. If she doesn't like the guy initially, it's a no-go. If she does, 
she could probably go on and extend the date. Now, when it comes down to a situation with traditionalists, however, they have a more long, drawn-out process. So, they may have several guys on their list of uh, suitors. However, what they usually do is spend a long period of time evaluating one guy at a time, and usually they will pick one guy out and tell the other guys, see you later. Now, here's the thing. While they're making this choice, they may introduce him to family, friends, to get their opinions on him. And he's going through this gauntlet of filtering. Now, that can work for a woman or against her, depending on the culture, depending on the traditions, and also depending on the guy. Because, see, here's the thing. A lot of men may think, okay, I'm meeting the family, I'm meeting all these other people, and you know what? This is too soon. This sounds more permanent. This sounds like because she likes me, it's going to lead to a full-blown relationship. I'm still trying to get to know her as well. So at this point, he may feel as though I'm being committed when I don't want to be committed yet. So it's being laid on too thick. Now, another thing is this as well. He may look at it from the standpoint of, well, she has all these people to help her make a decision on me. Is this going to be the way it is if we were to get into a relationship? Will she have to consult her family, friends, neighbors, and everybody else about our relationship? The next thing, now she has a consensus. And if there's something that maybe she doesn't like that you do, she votes you down, the whole family votes you down, and therefore, she will use the family and friends as justification as to why the relationship shouldn't work. And this means that the implications are for a man is that she can't think for herself. She can't make her decision. This is the reason why women in the second segment example do far better than the women in the third example. And this one. Because what happens at this point the guy's like, well, you know, meanwhile, while we're trying to see whether or not we're going to go forward, let me still go on this date tomorrow night with this other woman. If he runs into a woman who's expediting the situation, like I described in, in uh, segment two, more than likely, if, it, if there's chemistry and things click, he's going to be with her over the traditionalist. Because he knows with the woman that he met who's extraditing things he's not going to have to deal with a lot of things with her I mean he's going to eventually meet her family friends and so forth but the focus is on her choice being that she was able to make a decision autonomously really looks good and really looks favorable from her perspective for him now when it comes down to a situation with the traditionalist, he's going to perceive her as being insecure, maybe questioning her own judgment, maybe she's made mistakes in the past, and these things are going to come up as question marks. And he's going to want to know how much involvement with family and friends have in the relationship as they go along in that process. Will she be informing them of everything that happens in it? 
And so therefore, it may not be his best option. And so this is how guys will ghost you because of this. And of course, you could keep your standards and morals and et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't matter. Because the way he's looking at it is from the standpoint, I need someone, if I'm going to be in a relationship with them, that can think on their feet, think for themselves, and can function by themselves if necessary if something were to happen to me. This is the way we look at it. What they don't want to do is to be another family member that's brought under the umbrella of being told what to do by the larger family group. Because that can be problematic. Now, another factor that comes up that we need to address. Intimacy and sex. With the traditionalists, it's going to take a very long time for that. Usually on average, depending on the culture, depending on the values, depending on the structure, on average about eight to nine dates. If this person says no sex before marriage, the guy's got to make a quick assessment. Many guys will still try to break that barrier and try to, in some way, impose some sort of uh, ultimatum in order to see if she's going to go forward with this. Usually, guys, you're wasting your time because if she comes out and states that, more than likely she means it. Don't waste your time dealing with that. She's going to complain about how she can't find a man that's willing to do this and willing to wait her out, that kind of thing. My advice to you guys... Never, ever marry a woman that you have not had sex with before you marry. I will tell you this. I will underscore it. I condone it. I endorse it. And here is why. There are a lot of men out there who cheat on their wives and leave their wives after they had waited. And the reason being... A lot of these women may say, oh, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be good, it's going to be a pleasurable experience in bed. And then what you'll wind up with is a woman that's going to lay on her back, open her thighs, missionary position, and doggy style will be something that's really over the top. And here's the problem for you. That's going to get boring. And even when you try new things it's not really going to work that well because she's going to be very rigid, self-conscious, and there are going to be all kinds of problems. Ladies, this is the reason why virgins are not really wanted too much by men. It depends on the culture, but a lot of men care not to deal with that. This is the reason why a lot of you ladies get upset with the men who go with the more looser women, the women that have been around a bit, the experienced women, is because of the fact that these women already know what they want and they have an idea as to the things that will help please that man. And so they're at a total advantage. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and just uh, open your legs up to anyone by no stretch. But what I am saying is this. Understand, holding virginity as some kind of incentive for a man to be with you is never a good thing. You hear a lot of women who 
have had children. There was one lady that I met that had had, I think, three kids. And she's talked about she wanted to be considered a born-again virgin. And she's telling me that she hadn't had sex in 12 years, as if that was impressive. And I told her, I said, I got to be frank with you. Whomever got with you when you got married, tore your ass up. So for you to come back and say you're born-again virgin is a joke. He tore that pussy up. You had three kids. Quit kidding yourself. You're a woman. You've done what you were supposed to do as a woman. You enjoyed it. You had fun. You had a relationship. You had a marriage. And therefore, what's wrong with you being a woman still with those same needs? It's not a marketing tool. It's not something that's special. Just because you haven't had sex in 12 years doesn't make you special. And this is the thing that some women are hung up on. Ladies, don't try that with men. That's no incentive for us to go for you. It really isn't. Because there are women out there who need sex just like you do. And guess what? They're not talking about they have been celibate for 12 years or whatever. They're going out there doing their thing. Now, another factor that comes into play here. There are some women who will love to tease. So in essence, they'll go down their list of men that, that are showing interest in them online. And what they will do is just flirt with them online, but have no intentions of ever meeting them. But they're leading these guys on. Now, this is a very dangerous proposition, ladies, because here's the thing. Some of these guys don't have a moral compass. They will try to look up as much information as they possibly can on you, just so that they can get closer to you. If you're playing around with these men, you're going to mess around and wind up with one of them that's going to be more serious about you than you are about them, and that's going to be a problem. Especially if some of you ladies are married doing this or in a relationship doing this, cohabitating with a man. You know, there was a girl on TikTok down in Florida. And she was very popular on TikTok. And this obsessed person showed up at her house. And her dad shot the man and killed him. What I'm saying is be very careful because you never know what's going on in the heads of someone. They could very well envision something as a fantasy and you don't know. And even this this young lady was on TikTok. She wasn't even really flirting with this guy or anything. She was being cordial and this was just a formal situation. And she was a minor. Now, here's the thing I would tell you. Think about it from this perspective. You're dealing with someone's emotions online. It's making you feel good with the, get the compliments and this person wants to send you an Amazon gift or whatever, you turn it down. And he's taking that as, 
a secondary rejection. The first one being that he didn't have the chance to meet you. And the second one is that you turned the gift down. Well, some people take rejection very well and they say, okay, well, no problem. Others, however, may say, oh, you're not going to reject me. Let me try harder. Let me find out information about you. And so they'll try to go and dox you, try to find this info. And once they have done this, you don't know what may take place. So the best thing to do is when you're in a situation like this and this guy's coming on and he's very zealous to meet you, you better end that conversation if you have no plans on meeting him. Because you never know how twisted things can be. This is just to protect you and to help you. Because here's the thing. If we lead him on, he's going to follow. Now, others of you, and, you know, I understand some of you go on these dating sites and you're married, and you just want to feel good about yourself, to have a man admire you. And you may exchange nude photos or videos. Many of you ladies have done it. I've been on dating sites where women have literally done that to me. Because they want to get that affirmation that they didn't get from their husbands or their boyfriends. They're lonely, emotionally abandoned, feel as though the husband has forgotten about them. I get it. But they're at that point where they're like a prisoner in their marriage. They're afraid to go out and do anything because they don't want to breach the vows of their wedding. But they also have needs. And they feel isolated. And they're not going to divorce or separate from their husbands. They're going to sit there in that virtual world and take the accolades, the praise, and all of the trappings of being that woman that they probably couldn't be in high school. That hot girl, the one that these guys wanted. And you have women all the way now in their 50s and 60s going under the knife, trying to recapture that period that they wish they could have caught when they were younger, but they didn't have the wherewithals, they didn't have the money, they didn't have the confidence. And now it's like, hey, I'm getting older. Let me go and do this now. Let me go and have all these different surgeries, these Brazilian butt lifts and you know, breast augmentations in order to be remembered for who I'd like to be. Because what has happened, we have allowed marketing to really form the opinion of ourselves in so many ways. We've allowed someone's creativity to say, hey, the standard of beauty is blonde hair and blue eyes. Remember that back in the day? Who set that standard? Men who married women that did not have blonde hair and blue eyes, but men who wished they were with women who had those blonde hair and blue eyes. Because many of the marketing executives didn't have that gorgeous wife. They had a housewife. But they projected that image to sell products. And a lot of women bought into that, just like they buy into all of these beauty shows and beauty contests and everything else now. 
they get to the point where they feel less than. That's what marketing is designed to do, to make you feel less than something unless you buy their product, unless you subscribe to their service, because in that way it gives you some sort of an identity, some sort of sense of belonging, some sort of sense of placement in life. But in actuality, the problem is not the marketing companies. It's the deficit of self-esteem in yourself. And you have to start there. Now, we're going to talk more in just a moment. All right, folks, let's talk about the last technique that some women will use. This is called the sex forward technique. Now, what is with this is a woman finds a guy online that she really likes a lot. And as they've chatted, she's really into him. They've talked on the phone. And what she's done instead is, unlike other women, like the example in segment two, or even the uh, traditionalists in segment three, what she chose to do is, instead of uh, kind of expediting meeting the person, she's going to expedite the whole experience. Now, what this means, an example, she's going to go for the sex. She's going to do that first, because that's a priority to her. She doesn't want a man with a limp dick, She wants a guy that's going to be really into her in that sense. Now, usually women who fall into this category are women who have been abused, unfortunately. The reason being, a lot of these women use sex as currency because they feel as though they were only valued for that in past experiences. A lot of these women are women who never went to therapy, who never got help. Now, I know there are a lot of you are going to say, uh-uh, not me, not me, not me. Well, if it doesn't apply to you, it's not pertaining to you. But here's the thing. These women will go and throughout the throats of the conversation, they're going to make it very sexualized. Even though the guy may be kind of... Uh, conservative in a way because he's not quite sure that this is real. He's going to be a little bit more skeptical and then he's going to realize, oh, well, the only thing she wants is sex. Now, here's the thing. She doesn't just want sex. She's going to start with sex and then she's going to back into it that way with the relationship. Now, so she may be very salacious online, showing nude photos, exchanging photos with the guy and talking about what she likes in the bedroom. When they meet, it'll probably be a short, cheap, quick date because the focus is sex, and they will go and sleep together. And then upon that, that's when she will go and make the choice as to whether or not she's going to be with the guy. Now, here's the difference. To her... She feels as though this is a way of fulfilling 
his needs first to see whether or not that was enough to win him over. Now, let's not get this confused because in certain Scandinavian countries, a woman will sleep with you prior to actually having a full-blown relationship with you. But the difference is she's going to usually interact with you physically. And if you're somebody that she's comfortable with, she will look at doing that in order to start the relationship. The difference is here, this woman's leading with sex not to really win the guy over as far as love, but just to stake a claim with them, with sex. So even if the relationship does not work out, she's going to try her effort, and that's where she feels as though her best effort is. Now, sadly, these women do exist, ladies. I know many of you are saying, oh, he's talking bull. No, these women exist. And they do well when it comes to relationships. I hate to say it, but it's true. Because what happens with these ladies is this. They're very docile when it comes down to dealing with the guy that they're going to be with. So they start out pleasing and appeasing him. And so as they go through the relationship, the only thing they have to do is to contour their likings to his, and then they fit in. It's pretty much like a simp does with a woman. He comes in simple, impotent male prototype. In other words, the man that's not really a guy, so to speak, in the sense that he doesn't really have the bearing of a man, so he goes in to the relationship, and whatever the woman wants, he's going to agree with and be in the amen corner. And the reason being... He's trying to please and appease her to stay as long as he can with her so he can sleep with her. Well, there are women that do the same thing with men. And these women will do this. And once they find out that this guy is interested in her, is not rejecting her, is not calling her a whore or whatever, she's cool with that. Now, this woman may be very uninhibited. So threesomes, you name it, she'll be down for it. And this is going to be her calling card to keep him. And a lot of times this works because she's doing things that the other women would never do. And so in that sense, what it does, it puts him in a, in a place of comfort in that now he doesn't have to worry about going out and some of the fantasies he want to fulfill, he could do it with this woman. Now, not all of these women are have been abused, but a good percentage of them have been through some stuff. The reason being is that their morals were kind of challenged. Were no counter challenged. They were challenged earlier in their lives. So as they see it, sex is a normalcy for many of them because they never realized that they had been exploited, that they had been abused. They've been the kids who've been told, oh, just, you know, suck it up. I had to go through it, that kind of thing. And so as they see it, it's a norm for them. And so the guys may think, oh man, damn, I, I got lucky, but not realize the story behind that luck. So to speak. 
because she could still be damaged emotionally. And more than likely she is. And she may repress that damage because that's a sign of weakness as she see it to acknowledge it. But to go along with it is the best remedy as she sees it. So this is what happens to a lot of them. They get to that point where it's like, I'll cope with this. This is my problem. I'm not going to get any therapy for this. This is the way I exist. And so they go into relationships, laying down, sleeping with men, in order to get that affirmation. Because, see, to them, that's the attention that they seek. See, the difference is with the woman that was in segment two, the attention that she sought was this guy inviting her to her home, to his home, reaffirms everything that she had wanted to be okay with. He likes me. I can see myself in his environment. He's not rushing me. He's disciplined. These are things she's looking at as her affirmation for him. He was able to see me during the week because she wanted to see how important she was as a priority. Now, when you look at the traditionalists, the affirmation is not that he did anything for me. My family, my friends like him. That's my affirmation. That's what I need. That's the most important thing for me. As far as him, yeah, I like him, but I'm affirmed that the choice that I made, the family approved of, and my friends approved of. So therefore, he's a good man. And so with that, she doesn't need affirmation from him. She needed from other people about him. Now, in this particular situation, she needs affirmation and validation from this man in order to feel better about herself. Because just by her approach alone, that tells you she doesn't feel good about herself. But this man is the incentive. His approval is the incentive for her to feel that way about herself, to feel better. It's a twisted thing, but this is the way it works. Now, the other thing, too, with this type of relationship, this type of situation, she feels as though she's not in control. See, the woman in segment two would feel as though she's an equal partner or can influence him in some kind of way. So she feels as though she has a level playing field. The traditionalist feels as though she has a level of playing field, even though it's not level, because most of the weight of the relationship is on her side as opposed to his. So he, the situation is kind of counterbalanced, where he is uh, really of marginal influence in there compared to her family, friends, and herself. Now, when it comes down to this particular situation, the guy has all the influence. He controls everything. She's just going to follow along because she's happy. 
to be with someone who loves her because see that's one thing that she's looking for throughout all of that abuse that she's gone through all of the bad relationships the usury and the, everything else the one thing she's looking for is unconditional love and so with that if he's willing to even show that he cares and she likes him that's enough for her and so the humiliation in the relationship is irrelevant because of the fact that she is getting the affirmation from him. And that means more to her than any sort of other endeavor. And a lot of times we don't really look at that reality. We don't look at what people prioritize in order to make themselves feel better about themselves. And sadly, there are a lot of people that seek validation like this. Now, there are others out there who will go online and join dating sites in order to get the accolades and have, like I said, no intention of meeting the guy, but they'll go out there and have all these provocative photos and everything else because they're getting the compliments that they don't get from their partner or spouse. And so they live that fantasy over and over in their head when they're looking up there looking at the ceiling fan with this guy who's pouncing on them about once every other week just to go and get his sexual desires met. And then he rolls over and falls asleep. She goes, gets a towel, wipes herself, and waits until he leaves for work the next morning so that she can get back online. Because as she sees it, she's in a prison. She's not in a marriage. She's not in a relationship. It's sad, but this is how some of the approaches people will take. You have others that will have a more measured approach. And I'm going to briefly talk about that because this is the most kind of the one that we're most familiar with. And what is that? The person goes out on the first date with the person. They interact over the phone and the internet. They go on their first date. Things go well. They may schedule another date a week later. And it's a continuance of the first date. They have started to create certain buzzwords or funny little uh, anecdotes for each other. And things are enhanced and the dating process advances. Now, this is a more laid-out, drawn-out approach. Family and friends are not involved in this approach. And this is the most common form of dating that we use, where it's structured, and sex occurs about six to eight weeks after initially meeting. Sex is not a big catalyst. It's not a big thing. It's something that rolls into the relationship naturally, They start looking for exclusivity around the third or fourth week of dating. And from that point on, they're usually making a collective effort to be together. This is the way most people actually work together in relationships. However, the other previous examples I gave you are modifications of what's happening and what people also do. So it varies. And there are a lot more other type of... uh, situations where people will be in certain uh, situations such as 
they may go on a, a certain website that has hobbies, interests, or something of that sort, and that will be the catalyst for their relationship. Swingers clubs, uh, things such as uh, third wheel clubs, those kind of things where they will meet, and you don't see too many of those anymore. Third wheel clubs basically were women who were only looking for relationships that involved couples. And of course, men were, if you were a single man, you could not go to any of these events. They would only have it for women and couples only. But they've kind of died off and kind of melted into the swingers scene. Now here's the thing you have to understand too, is that people have their agendas up front. And no matter what you try to do, you will not be able to change that agenda. So understand that what you see is what you get, is what you date, is what you will be with. Plain and simple. It's not going to change just because of you. You're not that special. I think people fail to realize that sometimes. Both men and women fail to realize that. Well, folks, the one thing that I want you to take away from this particular episode are the following. You're seeing the different approaches women will use when it comes to dating. There are plenty more, but these are the fundamentals. You have, of course, the person who's working with time management. They're concerned about wasting their time. You have others that are now expediting the dating process. You have others that are more traditional, and they're going through the family approval process, which really limits them on the scope of the people they will ever date. You run across the other traditional types where it's more of a conventional type of dating process where it's kind of meted out over time. You have the other one where it's sex-based, where the person's trying to win the person over sexually, and then start the relationship from there in more of a submissive and passive role. There are many other types, but usually these are the most common that you will run into. I want to thank you for listening, and once again, thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. Jocelyn, your host, good evening. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region.
The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.